This episode of Discovering Trek is brought to you exclusively by Fansets. Later on in this episode, we'll have a special discount offer code just for Discovering Trek listeners. Discover a whole new universe of pin collectibles with Fansets online at fansets.com. A scared child, a wondrous story, and a girl who made the stars. The latest short trek has arrived again in all its animated glory, and at barely eight minutes long, it has the distinction of being the shortest of the short treks. But lack of length certainly does not mean it doesn't pack a Star Trek punch. This one gets right to the heart of classic Trek stories and plots. What lessons does Papa Mike Burnham have for a frightened little Michael? Well, let's find out. Welcome aboard, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Discovery Companion, presented by Fansets. It may not be Discovery, but short treks are a very important part of the season, so here we are diving into the latest mini-episode called The Girl Who Made the Stars, the second of two new animated shorts that were released just a couple weeks ago. As always, this is the premier podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about all things Star Trek Discovery, including short treks, and as I mentioned... Although this episode comes in at only about eight minutes, it has a lot of story to tell. It's a story about tackling your fears and was told from the perspective of a young Michael Burnham and an ancient story about the stars. And, you know, when I say tackling your fears, well, that means it's time for me to bring in my trusted podcast partner. If I were to tell the story from this episode, instead of a giant snake being the night beast, I think I could animate this guy flying around the screen yelling, bonk, bonk, or brain and brain, what is brain? And then I'd wake up and realize it's just a bad dream. Because in reality, folks, he is a swell dude. He's my very good friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith. And Bill, I gotta say, I could get used to this animated Star Trek stuff. I, thanks, buddy. I can, too, especially if it's like this. Um, and I might add that uh, if I were going to put you as the feature character in a short trek, Here we go. it would be the boy who discovered coconut. <laughs> wow. Nice little trek geeks. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's See like what I did there? That's what, a, that's what a pro does. You are a pro. I am just a, a, a low-end podcasting drama queen. Well, don't I know it? <laughs> but no, it's it's good to be here. I, I'm looking forward to talking to this because it's just so different from Ephraim and Dot, uh, stylistically, thematically. Um, there's a, there's a lot to digest here, and I'm I'm here for it. I think that's one of the reasons I really love the fact that um, the powers that be decided to drop both of these at the same time because they are vastly different in in look and in story but yet they're still Star Trek. So I'm really looking forward to diving in and talking about it. Uh, but before we get into details about the giant snakes, the fireflies, and setting loose the stars in the night sky, Bill, where can our listeners go to give their thoughts on The Girl Who Made the Stars? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Well, if you're a Twitterer, you can discover us at Discovering Trek. And on the book with lots and lots and lots and lots of faces... Really, there's lots of them. You can follow us at facebook.com slash discoveringtrek. In either place, you can leave us comments, ask us questions, or even tell us what you think we're going to see in the remaining Short Trek left in Short Trek's Season 2. Plus, you can also send us a voicemail by going to our website at trekgeeks.com and clicking on the giant blue button on the right-hand side. 
Please do remember, though, that any comments you leave us could be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Dan. So, so let me get this straight, buddy. I just want to make sure. Did you say Twitterer? Yeah. <laughs> okay. New words. Okay, that's good. Thank you. Black alert. Black alert. From here on in, folks, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched the latest Star Trek's short trek, stop listening right now. Head on over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch short treks. Watch this episode. It will literally only take you a few minutes. Then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for the girl who made the stars. And once again, without further ado, it is my honor and privilege to introduce the quadrant-famous six-sentence recap starring Bill Smith. You know, the amazing thing is that this podcast is going to be potentially three times longer than the Short Treks episode. <laughs> wow, that mind-blown. Did and, not even think of that. And my recap might almost be just as long, but let's give this a crack. <laughs> Young Michael Burnham is scared of the dark. Dad Mike tells her a bedtime story about a young African girl who braved the night. She is pursued by beasts who live in the dark. She encounters an alien who gives her a gift. The gift allows her to bring light to her village at night by creating stars. And Michael Burnham doesn't need a nightlight after all. The end. Great news. To the briefing room. I could just sit here in silence for a couple of minutes and, and just take that all in. That, but then it would just be longer episode than the short track, like you said a minute ago. <laughs> I was going to say, it'd be more me talking, which I think everybody's okay with. <sighs> okay, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we're going to gather in the briefing room, as we always do every time we are sitting down on Discovering Trek. And we're going to talk about the girl who made the stars. But let's get our high-level thoughts. Was it a thumbs up for you or was it a thumbs down and why? Uh, this is a definite thumbs up for me. I love this story because it shows that really any story can fit into the framework of Star Trek, even a bedtime story. It is so radically different from the other animated short, but yet it carves out its own place with a rich story that's told in an extremely short amount of time. They pack a lot into this, and it's told very well, I think. So I, uh, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm all in. It's, it's a great short Trek. Thumbs up all the way. Okay, so... I'm going to give this a thumbs up with a question mark, so kind of a thumbs up. It's not often that you and I have vastly different opinions on the episodes that we talk about here on Discovering Trek. I got to admit, I didn't love this one as much as I loved Ephraim and Dot, and I understand it is a very, very different story. I'm not sure why it did not pull me in the way it's pulled in so many other people. The animation was extremely different. It reminded me of a Pixar movie. And while the story was at its core a very Star Trek story, I didn't find myself loving it. But I did like it, and I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I still find it to be a Star Trek story because there is some character backstory here for Michael Burnham that directly ties into the season two premiere, Brother. Um, plus, we get to see what her dad, Mike, is like on some level. Of course, he's, he's voiced by... Kenrick Green, who played her dad in season two of Star Trek Discovery. 
I, I think for me, that's what makes it work. Um, the story itself is, is an old African legend, mm-hmm. but told in the way it was by her father with Michael inserted into the animation as the girl who made the stars, I think is really what changes the game for me. I think it makes it, for me, it makes it a Star Trek story. That's very interesting. I'm going to talk about my opinion on that very topic later on in the show. Um, it, it's very interesting to get different points of view from the same material. So I'm looking forward to that part of the discussion. Um, but for right now, let's get into what we always do here on Discovering Trek. We're going to talk about what we liked so much about the episode. I'm going to start first with the animation as my first like. Um, Michael kind of has that Disney princess doe-eyed look to me in this. And that kind of animation really does a great job of showing emotion, I think. Um, You don't always get that from regular cartoons or animation like we saw in Ephraim and Dot. Um, This wasn't a cartoon. This was animation. This was computer-generated animation. And I thought they did a fantastic job of having different looks convey emotion very well, especially in those eyes of young Michael Burnham. Agreed, 100%. In fact, this is the kind of animation style I'm hoping they go with for the Nickelodeon series. Because I think that it's going to take that to make the people who watch the various Star Wars animated series want to buy into it. I think if it's the flat 2D animation of, say, the Ephraim and Dot or or something along those lines, I don't know if it'll be as successful or as engaging, perhaps. But I really loved the, the, the choice they made here. Um, you're right. It, it, to me, it does look like a Pixar movie, and, and I think that that's actually a huge credit in its favor, personally. Yeah, it, I, I loved the depth. I think one of the scenes that I really appreciated a lot was when they showed the, the chief of the village, and you saw the layers behind him of the fields and the mountains and the, and the dark yeah. sky, and it really looked... 3D isn't the right term, but it really had that depth, which you don't always get in the regular 2D animation. Um, the other thing that I really liked, and call me the evil one of the group, because I know you think I am, and that's the Night Beast, man. He <laughs> was, that thing was awesome. And, you know, I think you know this, I hate snakes. I hate them. Um, it was a perfect representation of the fear that the tribe had outside the boundaries of daylight. It was menacing. And it really worked. I found the hair standing up on my arms a couple of times when we saw that Night Beast. Agreed, 100%. And I think that's another thing that this style of animation lends better to than, like, say, the, the, the style for Ephraim and Daughter. I remember a cartoon from the 70s called Ricky Tiki Tavi that also featured a cobra and a mongoose. And the cobra was nowhere near as threatening as the snake was in this particular animation style. Um, and I see you over there having a moment of, of realization. Uh, did you want to chime in on Ricky Tiki Tavi? I will tell you, Chuck Jones did Ricky Tiki Tavi. I love Chuck a lot Jones. Of the, a lot of the Bugs yep. Bunny. Ricky Tiki Tavi is my all-time, all-time favorite cartoon of my entire life. I absolutely adore that that yeah. cartoon, I think it's fantastic. I, I grew up wanting to have a mongoose as a pet because I love that <laughs> cartoon so much. So I'm glad. Oh, man, you just plucked at my heartstrings, man. That was fantastic. And now you have one as a podcast partner. Chuck Jones is my all-time favorite animator. Um, you know, he's done so many great things. The classic Tom and Jerry's that I love. Mm-hmm. The classic Bugs Bunnies that I love. The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Yes. Is all Chuck Jones. Yep. This was a style of animation that I think does 
the legends like him a great service in telling a great story because that's what Chuck Jones was always trying to do. So I think that this achieves it on so many levels. Um, plus, I have to give this short a lot of credit for boldly going. And that's what this does. This short echoes the mantra at the heart of Star Trek in a unique way by helping Michael realize her fears and to try to conquer them. And it gives the message to a new generation in a format that's friendly. It's not just I have to watch these talking people in space. It's something that's engaging and that appeals to them. So I have to give them all the, the credit in the world for finding a different way to boldly go. It's amazing that you say that because we do not share notes before we sit down and talk about um, our thoughts on particular episodes. And your last like is, is very similar to mine. Mine is that the heart of the story is facing your fears, and it was done very well with young Michael. From the lightning storm at the beginning of the episode to the girl facing her fear of the night and welcoming the stars for all it's kind of a reward. And I think it echoes some great Star Trek ideas that we've seen over the past 50 plus years. The fact that it was done in animation, which will appeal to young people, was a very smart idea by the Trek team. And I believe that Olatunde's daughter has been pulled into liking Star Trek as a direct result of this episode. There was an article or there was a video uh, interview with him on Twitter just a couple of days ago, and he discusses that point. So another great way. The animation is going to bring in that young viewership, which I think is is great for the franchise. You know, as you know, and as as many listeners of Trek Geeks and readers of StarTrek.com know, I have the phrase boldly go tattooed on my wrist. Yes. And boldly go doesn't just mean we're going to go boldly explore space. Sometimes it it means we need to boldly explore the challenges that life presents us or just life in general. And that's really what speaks to me with this short track. It's, it, it is the boldly go message packaged incredibly differently, but still very much the same. And I think, I think that's what's brilliant about it. Yeah, agreed. Um, so let's, let's move along to, to dislikes. And, and I'm going to be very honest. This is going to be a short segment um, because there's not a whole lot to dislike. And my... I don't want to call it a criticism because it's not really a criticism, but this is something that we touched on a little bit at the beginning of the show. For me, this could have been a story from any television show, anything. Mike Brady could have told it to Cindy. Howard could have told it to Sheldon. Scooby could have told it to Scrappy. A couple of <laughs> fan sets tie-ins. There. I see that. I see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, although at its core, it can be considered a Trek story. It could easily have been a bedtime story with a Star Trek sticker thrown on it. Um, does that make sense? Uh, because I kind of thought that a little bit. Because the episode is based on a real-life folktale from a tribe in Africa about the creation of the Milky Way galaxy, it really isn't a, quote, Star Trek adventure, end quote. So it didn't fully pull me in as a Star Trek universe episode. I don't want to make that sound overly negative. It was just something that popped into my head watching it. I understand, even if I don't agree, um, because I think there's Star Trek all over it and all through it. I think the way they chose to tell this story is very Star Trek. Um, and, and giving the inspiration to a new generation of kids to boldly go is something that really only Star Trek could do. You're right. This story could have been told in any one of a number of TV shows, but it wouldn't have been told this way. And I think for me, that's what separates it. I like hearing that, that different perspective because it lets me, it allows me to understand it better. And, and don't get me wrong. 
at the heart of this episode for me, it is 100% Star Trek. I just think, and and this may be this may be kind of kind of um, top layer and not really thinking in depth about it, but we didn't get phasers, we didn't get starships, we didn't get the things, transporters, that kind of technology stuff that we see in Star Trek, which is why maybe on a high umbrella umbrella layer is why it didn't make it look Star Trek to me. But that's kind of a cheap way to look at it, and I will admit that because. That's not what Star Trek is about. Star Trek isn't about phasers and aliens and stuff like that. It's about really strong and personal stories and the way that they're told. So I gotta I gotta balance that a little bit better. I think. Well, sure. I mean, we'll look at you know one of uh, arguably the best episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation, Family. It doesn't have any space battles. Right. It has a minimum amount of technology. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for the scenes on the Enterprise, you wouldn't have seen the Enterprise at all. True. It's got people in a vineyard talking. And it's widely regarded as a fantastic episode of Star Trek because it advances those characters. And I think that The Girl Who Made the Stars does that. I think it tells us a lot about Mike and Michael Burnham. And I think it does so very well. I think it helps demonstrate their relationship. And I think that that translates into today's Michael Burnham. That's a great way to look at it. And, And one thing that I do like about this episode or love about this episode is that my, quote, dislike that I just mentioned doesn't really have to do with the episode. Right. So, I mean, the episode was really done. I don't really think you have any dislikes. And I actually put a second one in there just because I had to nitpick about something because that's just the way I am. Um, We didn't know about these kind of tardigrades until Discovery Season 1, but Michael had a stuffed tardigrade in her bed. We didn't know about them, but we don't know that they didn't. Tardigrades, okay. tardigrades exist today. Um, you know, it's not like they're a made-up space species. But giant ones? Uh, well, we don't know that this one was <laughs> giant. It could have been just been a, a, a stuffed tardigrade. Um, well, look at the original series. I mean, they have fake amoebas flying around in, uh, <laughs> what is it, the immunity syndrome? Very nice. Good one. Um, you know, and it's, you know, amoebas are really tiny. So, I mean, uh, I look at it as it's a way to tie it in visually uh, like Ephraim and Dot, I don't look at this necessarily as strict canon, mm-hmm. although it certainly could be. But at the end of the day, uh, a tardigrade plushie really doesn't do it for me. And and don't get me wrong, I loved it. I yeah. want one. <laughs> I'm a 50 year old grown man, and I want a stuffed tardigrade just to put <laughs> on my bed. Um, I just I just when I first saw it, I'm like, ah, that doesn't seem right. But it was very cute. <laughs> I, I I think it was fine. Um, it, who knows? Maybe it's a it's a tie into her love of science, because ultimately she becomes a science officer. True, you know. True. So, and I'll, I'm guessing tardigrade plushie doesn't survive the attack on on that star base or Aww. space station, because we don't see it on Vulcan with her. That's too bad. Well, see, very little dislikes, and I gotta I gotta admit, Bill, I think this is the first time in the entire length of discovering Trek, two seasons of Discovery, two seasons of Short Trek that you didn't have a single dislike. Am I correct in that? Um, probably. Yeah. Uh, so with some of the other ones, I was nitpicky. If this had been a live action one, I might have had more. Okay. But again, it's it's animated. I'm not taking these as strictly canon, whether visually or story-wise. Uh, I think it does give us some great character backstory, but um, I, 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 take, I take a lot of it with a grain of salt um, because it's animated. All right, that's great. What else do we want to talk about with this episode? Because there were, I mean, 
these are the last two animated treks that we're going to see until the new shows come out whenever they come out because we still don't have a release date for Lower Decks or the unnamed Nickelodeon series. But uh, what else you got? You know, I have to say, I have to call it special attention to director Olatunde Osunsanmi because this guy can do anything, and when he does it, he does it extremely well. You know, I've loved every episode he's directed of Star Trek Discovery. I love this episode because I think that it it tells the story very well. Yes, it's written very well, but there are definite visual decisions here that, that were made in the direction that I think is fantastic. I think that he is one of the best additions to the Star Trek production team um, that we've seen in recent years, and I hope he has a long, long career doing Star Trek. I have to agree 100% with that. It's funny. I mentioned the um, video interview that you can find on um, uh, on Twitter right now under the CBS uh, um, handle. One of the things I think is brilliant about him is he is a, for the most part, a live action director, and he talks about the challenge of doing live act or of doing animated directing versus live action. With live action, you can see everything right there. You can change things as you go. It's on the fly. As a director of an animated short, everything's already done, and then he has to go look at it and decide if things have to be changed. And that's got to be quite difficult, and he talks about the challenges. I thought it was a great interview, and I recommend everybody go out and check it out. Of course, this episode of Discovering Trek is brought to you by Fansets, the presenting sponsor for Discovering Trek. You know, Dan, we're almost done with short treks for this year. It's been a great season, and we've loved all of them. And, of course, we also love fansets this should be no surprise to anyone who listens to the trek geeks podcast network that we think fansets products and services are second to none their line of almost 200 star trek pins is out of this world and this time i mean for that pun to be intended because they are awesome we're thrilled that this year's special edition holiday pin number one from the upcoming star trek picard series is now available at fansets.com also available you might not know this, Dan, but you, you would if you listened to the last Discovering Trek. Huh? <laughs> also available now is the very cool number one dog tag, just like number one wears in Star Trek Picard. This one is special because the folks at Fansets put a hole in the top of the pin so you can actually attach it to your pet's collar. That is ingenious. It's ingenious. And and you know how hard it has been for me to not click on order on those two things? As we're recording, <laughs> it's close to Christmas, so I'm not allowed to buy things for myself. But I'll tell you what, if those two pins are not in my stocking, hun, uh, in just a couple days, I will be ordering them um, Christmas Day. <laughs> put that out there. Um, always awesome stuff from Fansets, man. And speaking of awesome, here in my hand, right here, you can see it. I'm holding it up for you right here. I have a special list that I got from Lou at Fansets with some upcoming Trek releases from Fansets. Now, we've talked about a couple of them before, but coming very soon in the coming weeks will be Commander Nan from Star Trek Discovery, as well as Mayweather from Enterprise. But the big one, which I did not know about until until I was told by Lou, is the special, the Trouble with Tribbles tribute pin. And I want you to try to say that three times fast. I'm pretty sure I could. I don't think you could. Trouble with Tribbles tribute pin. Trouble with Tribbles tribute pin. Trouble with Tribbles tribute pin. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't wait to see what that's going to look like because I don't know what it looks like. I only know the title of it. Yeah. I love the Tribbles. I love uh, Trials and Tribulations. I like the fact that we had the trouble with Edward. So lots of trouble stuff going on in the Star Trek universe. So uh, keep your eyes peeled at fansets.com for these releases in the coming weeks. 
In addition, Dan, Fansets has some awesome new pins available from the Big Bang Theory right now. And coming soon, you're going to be able to get pins from the Flintstones, Scooby-Doo, and Dan, get this, just announced, Batman 66 coming to Fansets in 2020. I mean, I got to tell you, the folks at Fansets are on a roll, and we want you to save some money just for listening to Discovering Trek. So head on over to Fansets.com, put a bunch of stuff into your card at Fansets, whether it's Star Trek or Big Bang Theory or Firefly, which nobody watches. <laughs> and at checkout, enter the special Discovering Trek discount code, Discovering Trek. Yeah, it's really that simple. Discovering Trek, all capital letters, no spaces. That's going to get you 15% off your entire order at fansets.com. Okay, I got a special request for fansets. We talked about it last week, or last time, I should say, when I want to see a Batman with a shark and you want to see the shark repellent pin. Mm. I want to see pins of the big, like, pointy shapes with buzzwang or something like that in the middle of it, or boof or something. Thwap. (laughs) That's one of my favorites. Get it done. Oh, I need those in my life. <laughs> Fansets. We are Star Trek, and as always, we thank our friends at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor of Discovering Trek. Bill, uh, we are fast approaching the premiere of Star Trek Picard. It is less than 40 days away as we record right now. And then after that, we're going to have season three of Discovery. We got Star Trek coming at us in every direction right now. But before that, we have one more short trek to look forward to, don't we, man? Indeed we do, Dan. Indeed we do. Next time we convene here at Discovering Trek, we're going to be discussing the final short trek of the season, Children of Mars, which, according to all accounts, will tie into the upcoming Star Trek Picard series, and I can't wait to see how. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really anywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, now you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Network of Podcasts by subscribing to us on Patreon. Get access to raw, unedited audio of all of our podcasts, exclusive bonus content not available anywhere else, and really a whole variety of other perks, Dan. Absolutely. And speaking of Patreon, Bill, we want to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We are so thankful for their support. Ken Tripp. Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, whew, Rachel Delaney, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today, where subscription levels start as low as $1 a month. So, Bill, you were right. Um, Our episode is about three times longer than the episode of Short Treks that we just watched. (laughs) If you want to know who's going to win the Super Bowl, DM me. (laughs) Well, folks, that's going to do it for our discussion on Short Treks, The Girl Who Made the Stars. What'd you think? Was it a hit? Was it a miss? Are you still afraid of lightning storms, or are you willing to go up against the night beast face-to-face? Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter to let us know your thoughts about the episode and Discovering Trek as well. We thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us talk about this entertaining chapter in the Star Trek universe, and we look forward to sitting down again soon to talk about Children of Mars. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Michael Burnham. The only way to defeat fear is to tell it no. And until next time, 
never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original Star Trek. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, is a production of Trek Geeks, executive producer Dan Davidson. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out the Trek Geeks podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and trekgeeks.com.